If you'd like to all find a seat, we're going to get started right away here. All right, so um, welcome everybody to, to this afternoon's SACPA meeting. Um, just a couple of little housekeeping items before we get started. If you can remember to turn off your cell phones, I'm going to make sure mine's off as well. Awesome. All right. So um, my name is Carrie Tanaka. I'm from the University of Lethbridge Bookstore, um, and I was invited to, to moderate the, the meeting today, which I'm quite excited, a little bit nervous, but uh, um, please bear with me if I stumble through a little bit. I've not moderated a SACPA event before, but I'm excited to be here. Um, the talk and the question and answer will be recorded on SACPA's website, as well as on Shaw Spotlight. Um, and... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I'd also like to remind you to place your $14 in the bowl on the table for your lovely lunch this afternoon. And um, if somebody at the table could please take responsibility for counting and making sure there is enough money in there for everybody at the table, that would also be lovely. Um, the meeting this afternoon will begin with the presentation for, from 25 to probably about 30 minutes, and then you'll have lunch at 1230. Um, and then we will reconvene at 1 for a half-hour question and answer session. Um, so now... Without further delay, I'd like to introduce our speakers today for the topic on conversion therapy and why it needs to be banned. So today our speakers are Devin Hargreaves and Jen Takahashi. Um, Devin Hargreaves is a leader in the not-for-profit sector, expert in marketing, and a representative for an international company. His talents and interests are varied from LGBTQIA visibility to mental health and student advocacy to having worked as campaign manager in municipal politics or serving the needs of those with special needs. He is passionate about whatever he puts his hands on. Devin is the host of YQL Express on Jess FM, co-president of the Y Queer L Society for Change, and immediate past chair of Lethbridge Pride Fest. Jen Takahashi is the administrative director of Lethbridge Public Interest Research Group, LPERG, a student-funded, student-directed, not-for-profit organization providing resources for undergraduate students to engage with environmental and social justice issues. She is committed to supporting and growing the community through volunteering and social activism, in her spare time, Jen is often found on secondary highways late at night chasing the aurora. One of her favorite things about living in southern Alberta is the changing weather and brilliant night skies. So here we have Devin and Jen. Thank you. Right. Hello, my name is uh, Devin Hargreaves. Um, as mentioned, I'm the co-president of the YQL Society for Change, uh, and I'm here with Jen. Um, so a little about my organization. Um, it was started as a means of addressing issues not currently being met in the queer community of Lethbridge. Uh, so our mandate is to represent and promote equality of the uh, queer community of Lethbridge in southern Alberta, mobilize individuals to address and create positive change, and support research uh, that enhances the experience of the, the queer community in Lethbridge and Alberta and, and Canada. And Jen, if you want to explain yep. LPERG. So I'm Pirate Jen Takahashi. I'm the Administrative Coordinator for the Lethbridge Public Interest Research Group. It is a student organization that does activism both on campus and in the community. In 2015, in the waning days of the provincial election, a university student looked at me and said, if the New Democrats get elected, we can ban conversion therapy, right? And I said, of course, that's what we do, right? We're, we're good at this. And uh, so two years later, he came over and said, but uh, where's my conversion therapy? 
therapy band. What's up with that? And at that time, I had just gotten hired by Elperg, and the board immediately jumped on, said, yes, we want to do this. We have Annalise, who was our web designer and was the person who crafted the letter-writing campaign that subjected multiple elected officials in Alberta to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. Uh, Devin Hargraves is the chair of Pride Society at the time, was very, very supportive, and uh, we worked together throughout the Pride season, and then once... Uh, that term ended. We jumped on together and launched the federal conversion therapy ban petition, which Devin Hargraves actually drafted, being the smarter of the two. <laughs> We're kind of two halves of one brain, so. <laughs> um, who here, just by a show of hands, knows what conversion therapy is? And how many of you were aware up until this campaign launch that it was still, uh, still happening in Canada? That's been the biggest issue that we've ran into with, with running this campaign is first the educational aspect of it and uh, having that awareness raised that it does still go on and that's why it needs to be banned. It's 2018, most people would think that that's a practice that is outdated and uh, that would have already been banned or just not happening. Uh, so conversion therapy, sometimes referred to as reparative therapy, is the pseudoscientific uh, practice of trying to change an individual's Sexual orientation from queer, uh, which we're using today, is more of an umbrella term for the LGBTQ uh, plus community. Um, and they do that um, by using psychological, physical, and or spiritual interventions. Examples of this range from talk therapy to on the extreme end rape. While queer individuals have faced persecution for centuries, it was only within the last century that the focus changed to conversion therapy. In 1899, a German psychiatrist, Albert von Schrenknotzing, electrified the audience at a conference on hypnosis with a bold claim. He had turned a gay man straight with a combination of hypnosis and, of course, trips to a brothel. So uh, that was their way of, <laughs> um, of fixing morality. Though it wasn't called conversion therapy at the time, various methods to cure individuals of homosexuality were developed in the early half of the century, including extreme techniques such as testicular implants uh, from heterosexual donors, lobotomies, and electroshock therapy. Coming up on Remembrance Day, it's fitting to mention Alan Turing. Immortalized in the 2014 film The Imitation Game, he's widely considered to be the uh, father of theoretical computer science and artificial intelligence. He played a pivotal role in cracking uh, intercepted code, uh, code messages that enabled the Allies to defeat the Nazis in many crucial engagements, including the Battle of the Atlantic, uh, and in so doing, helped win the war. Now, some projections I've seen, and of course, with theories, it's hard to predict how one person or, or action or, or the likes can change the course. On the higher end, though, uh, some people would credit him with taking two years off of, of the World War. Um, after being convicted of, for gross indecency, which really just meant homosexual acts, um, he was chemically castrated as punishment and eventually committed suicide. So they actually put him on medication that would shrink his, his testicles uh, and reduce his libido. Uh, and yeah, that, that has a traumatic effect on people. That is still an active part of conversion therapy right now. Yeah. There's still the belief that you can medicate away the gay, and that's where we're going. 
Oh, <laughs> so that is actually still done now. Uh, there are still doctors prescribing antidepressants in particular to queer, queer patients uh, to medicate away the gay. There is the theory that, that with enough antidepressants you can get rid of this. And this is where we fall into an issue where it's not just churches and pastors doing this, but that it's actually licensed doctors and counselors and psychologists. It's important to remember that homosexuality was a part of Canada's criminal code and was only decriminalized in Canada as a result of, B uh, of Bill C-150, or the Omnibus Bill, introduced in 1967 and passed in 1969. Up until that point, it was still uh, illegal to, to be gay in Canada. Uh, there was many efforts to out gay people made in uh, Canada's history, uh, part of the reason uh, that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau apologized to the, the queer community uh, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. um, one of those methods was called the Cold War Fruit Machine. Uh, and that was, uh, uh, at the time, homosexuals were perceived by the government as weak, unreliable, and potentially disloyal. They feared they might be easy targets for Soviet spies who could blackmail them into giving up important secrets, and thus commissioned the project to determine a person's sexual identity through involuntary biological responses. In one test, for example, subjects were shown pictures that would arouse desire, while cameras took pictures of their pupils to see if they dilated. Needless to say, the tests were unreliable at best. So with that, uh, there is a, I believe, ongoing lawsuit uh, against the federal government uh, related to this practice, and they, they are saying that there's up to 9,000 people eligible to sign up as part of this lawsuit. It was very widespread. And this is why we don't historically see so much conversion therapy in Canada um, prior to the decriminalization of, uh, of homosexuality. Uh, <clears throat> so at that time is when it started to emerge more. Um, the forms of therapy used negative reinforcements to drive home that being a queer individual was essentially vomit-inducing. One example of this was the practice of showing gay men homoerotic photos and simultaneously electrically shocking their hands or their genitalia. Then a picture of a Playboy centerfold would be presented to the patient without any accompanying shock in the hopes that it would be, they would come to favor heterosexuality. Patients of this practice would also occasionally be dosed with nausea-inducing drugs. Until 1973, the American Psychiatric Association had also had homosexuality classified as a mental illness. When it was declassified that year, the ex-gay movement began uh, to get somewhat more of a mainstream attention. So we've got the decriminalization uh, and then the removal of it as a, a mental health issue, which is when you really see it start to ramp up and begin to move more into the, uh, the public uh, sphere. Exodus International is largely considered to be the religious face of the movement uh, and was formed in 76 and ministered to queer individuals who were looking to limit their homosexual desires. With its help, small church ministries in the US and Canada uh, were paired up with mental health practitioners who were willing to treat LGBT patients. The AIDS crisis uh, in the 1980s fueled the fire of anti-gay rhetoric um, and in 1992, a more secular face of the ex-gay movement, uh, the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality joined forces 
um, with Exodus International to promote what it called reparative therapy, a form of confessional talk therapy with roots in psychoanalysis and behaviorism. Conservative Christian groups took a big step in 98, launching a print and television ad campaign, uh, putting more of a human face to conversion treatments by featuring testimonials uh, from ex-gay participants claiming the methods cured them of their homosexuality. Although conversion therapy has been discredited by modern medicine and most of mainstream society, conversion therapy still persists. Uh, according to a study by the Williams Institute, which is an LGBT research group at the UCLA uh, School of Law, an estimated 698,000 uh, LGBT adults in the United States have received conversion therapy, and 20,000 LGBT uh, youth aged 13 to 17 will undergo conversion therapy from a licensed healthcare professional before they turn 18. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have as solid uh, of numbers of how pervasive this is in Canada. We have looked thoroughly for those. Um, no comprehensive studies like that. Uh, but we do feel that looking south of the border can give us somewhat of an indication of how pervasive this is in, in North America uh, society. Do you have anything to add on that? Uh, gay marriage was only legalized on July 20th, 2005, with Canada becoming the first country outside of Europe and the fourth country in the world to legalize same-sex marriage nationwide after the enactment of the Civil Marriage Act. So the... I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the practice of conversion therapy is seriously harmful to persons and is opposed by the World Health Organization, uh, now the American Psychiatric Association, the American Medical Association, and others. Uh, in 2001, the uh, Surgeon General in the United States, David Satcher, said uh, uh, in a report that there's no valid scientific evidence. Um, there's no valid scientific evidence that sexual orientation can be changed. The Canadian Psychological Association has condemned the practice very vocally, uh, as have most psychiatrists and psychologists across the country. Uh, in a 2015 statement, the Canadian Psychological Association indicated, conversion or reparative therapy can result in negative outcomes, such as distress, anxiety, depression, negative self-image, a feeling of personal failure, <clears throat> difficulty sustaining relationships, and sexual dysfunction. There's no evidence that the negative effects of conversion or reparative therapy counterbalance any distress caused by the social stigma and prejudice these individuals may experience. Beginning in November uh, 2011, uh, Beyond X-Gay uh, partnered with its global network of survivors of conversion therapy to study and document um, the, the practice. More than 400 survivors came forward from around the world uh, to share how uh, their experiences were uh, and damage their social, emotional, financial, spiritual, and sexual health and well-being. The only known document uh, effect of conversion therapy is a marked increase in suicide attempts, particularly among adolescents, and most particularly among adolescents who enter treatment voluntarily. Um, so we are campaigning for a campaign to ban it for minors. Um, that is our, our focus. Uh, we will get into that uh, shortly. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, look at that. The notes are uh, 
a little backwards. So how does conversion therapy legally still, still take place in Canada? It, uh, it's not criminalized, right? And there's still this attitude that, well, it's just counseling. You're seeking a, a counselor, a psychologist, a pastor, a trusted member of your church to talk you through your feelings and to align your faith with your biology, basically. Uh, and that's fine. That's fine if that's what it is. But when it turns into actual abuse, when it turns into folks being forced out of their families, being forced out of their communities, their churches, um, all of this, then that's when it becomes a problem. And a lot of the ways that it's still allowed is we, we are in a place where it's predominantly nonprofit organizations and charities that offer this. We have one nonprofit counseling organization in Lethbridge that did confirm up until four years ago they were performing conversion therapy and exorcisms, exorcism being the first part of the process. If they can exorcise the gay out of you, you don't need conversion therapy, but if you can't, then you get to do the conversion therapy. Uh, and so when we're looking at this, there is a uh, FCSS, it's a Family and Community Support Services grant program through the <coughs> province of Alberta. It is administered by municipal and regional governments. So the city of Lethbridge, uh, Jeff Carlson is the city council member who sits on that. They have granted a shocking amount of money, on average about $40,000 a year, each year for the last six years. Uh, that's as far back as the tax records go to this organization that is providing exorcisms and conversion therapy. And that's how it's allowed to continue. When you're looking at the churches that provide this, they have nonprofit status, they're not paying taxes. You're looking at donations um, for this one organ particular, forty-five dollars to $55,000 a year, and those are tax write-offs. And so there's this huge money machine behind it. Um, that allows it to continue. The pervasive attitude that being queer is sinful and wrong and you are you know, possessed by the devil is another huge part of it. Uh, getting to the base and being able to change this conversion therapy, being able to provide opportunities for people to stand up and seek protections, recourse, all of these things is, is a step in changing the way society interprets what queerness is and hopefully softens things as the generations go. Um, we have seen bans across Canada. We saw Nova Scotia just ban it recently, Ontario, Manitoba, the city of Vancouver. We are expecting legislation in Alberta in the next 35 days, not that we're counting. And then the hope there is if Alberta can ban this, we can get the federal government to ban it as well. We have seen bans in 12 or 18 states in America. There is one country in the world that has banned it. And once we can get our federal ban, we are creating the groundwork for the United Kingdom and Australia who are both seeking to ban as well. So we're not just looking at banning conversion therapy in Alberta or banning conversion therapy in Canada. We're literally looking at changing the world right now. And that is, that's what we're doing. So, do you, do you get it? You want to end on that one? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. I, my kid made the slideshow, so I think something got flipped. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, how does it still legally take place in Canada? That's what you just oh, talked about. and we just did that. So we're looking at what are we doing to stop conversion therapy. Yeah, so what we've done, we've launched uh, a petition uh, on September 20th. Um, as Jen kind of mentioned at the beginning, uh, we did have the provincial letter writing campaign. Um, that's Jen's favorite story to tell. Um, <laughs> uh, but 
now that we see that we're getting it banned in Alberta, um, it's, it's time to move it federal. There's limitations on provincial bans um, as well. With a, a provincial ban, it bans it more through health um, or the Ministry of Health. So it's more a defunding of it as far as claiming it on insurance and such. But it's not criminalizing it, which uh, allows it to still happen. So if it's through a religious organization or a not-for-profit, still getting tax credits and, and things like that, it can still happen. And the province can't ban it. Um, the city of Vancouver banned it because they're the ones that regulate business licenses. Um, so that was done based off their business permitting. They would not permit a business that provided the service um, or, or an organization that went through, um, through that. With the federal ban, what we're looking to do is actually having it added to the, the criminal code, uh, having it banned to transport ma uh, minors outside of Canada for that practice, um, which we have heard of happening. Um, even very locally. Uh, and those are the protections in place that we need to protect uh, queer youth in, in Canada. And as Jen touched on, it, it, it's springboarding from Canada to around the world. We were one of the first in uh, the world to legalize gay marriage. Let's be the first to get uh, conversion therapy out. Uh, as Jen mentioned, one country has banned it. That country's Malta. <laughs> no one else, uh, no other nation has, has banned it. Um, so let's let's get on that. We're known as a leader in in human rights, uh, so let's let's keep living up to that. One of the uh, one of the things that we why we're fighting for the ban and when we're talking about transporting minors across international lines, we do know that minors are shipped to conversion therapy camps in Mexico and across the United States, coming out of Canada. Uh, there is one organization in Mexico that started as drug and alcohol rehab, and they are one of the epicenters coming out of the southern Alberta region. In this, we are advocating specifically for a ban on minors. Um, we'll freely admit we'd rather see a flat ban straight across the board, but we do not have the right to tell an adult in, in a country that is built on freedom what they can and cannot do. We recognize that the majority of adults who do seek conversion therapy do not do it of their own free will or out of their own interest in aligning their faith with their identities. It is because they are forced into it by families who are threatening them with being cut out, being forced out of their churches, their communities, all of these things. And when we're looking at banning it for children, I have a young man that I'm acquainted with. He's, uh, he's legally an adult now. He came out to his family first as lesbian, and his father, who was a pastor in churches, uh, both in the United States and in Canada, beat him within an inch of his life and told him that he was going to go to conversion therapy. And my friend sat down. He got very, very quiet. He let his father beat him. He let his father yell at him. He let his father threaten him. He went upstairs. He texted his best friend and said, thank you for being my friend. He locked himself in the bathroom. He slit his wrists. So obviously, if he's still my friend, the story has a good ending. His best friend knew what was going on, showed up, broke down the door, dragged him out, got him emergency services, and moved him into her house. He later came out as a trans man. His mother got ill. He returned home to care for her. When she died, he walked away, and he never looked back. When I first met him, he was recovering from all of the abuse from his family, and particularly his father. After a few months of very good care and very good support, I don't recognize him. He's happy and he's living his life well. This is what happened to a man at the threat of conversion therapy. We know that we have children who are being placed in conversion therapy who are killing themselves. So while we would see a flat man, protecting the children right now is the number one priority. Definitely. I know what I'm <laughs>
and nothing to worry about. So, we undo what can we do to help? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, lastly, we'll talk about kind of what, what individuals can do to help. So having launched the, the petition, um, we need 500 signatures to get it presented in the House of Commons. We, we're at over 9,000. Uh, we're only halfway through the life of the petition. Um, we've, we've come a long way. We broke mm -hmm. 500 in the first uh, 24 hours, I think. Um, so this is definitely getting presented in the House of Commons um, by Sherry Benson, uh, an M L uh, MP out of uh, Saskatchewan. Um, so with that, uh, if you haven't signed the petition yet, it's super easy to find. Google Our Commons e-petitions. When that comes up, search conversion therapy, sign it, and, uh, and have your voice count that way. We're not worried about having the petition presented. The more support that they see behind it, the more likely we are to actually get legislation. So with that said, uh, I would encourage everyone, if you do support uh, banning conversion therapy, write a letter to your MP, write a letter to the Prime Minister, you can even write a, an email to all of them and CC it to 300 people. Um, <laughs> uh, but let them know that it is something that we, we want banned and let's, uh, let's change Canadian history. We've been surprised to have members of opposition parties reach out as well to indicate their support and their willingness to move forward on a ban. So it is worth reaching out to all parties across the federal government, and in particular sending messages to the Justice Committee who are looking into this, as well as the Shadow Justice Minister. It's easy, it is, it's just a copy and paste, drag everybody's emails you can possibly find and send that letter. Make sure you're sharing the campaign on social media and in whatever way works best for you. The more signatures we have, the more support we can prove to the current government that there is to ban this. After the petition closes on January 18th, the government has 45 days to respond. We would love to see legislation introduced during that 45 days, but we can't do that without, you know, a lot of people making a lot of noise. Yeah. Okay, there's one other thing I told him. <laughs> yeah. I think that's everything we had. It's a, it's a human rights issue. It's not a queer uh, issue. Um, it's not a matter of freedom of religion to be able to raise your child how you want. It's freedom of religion to not be able to force those views on, on someone else. We're standing up for the protection of uh, the, the human, uh, human Rights Charter of, of Canada. So I strongly encourage everyone, if you do have any other questions, you can, can reach out to us um, and uh, find us on Facebook, uh, YQRL or Elperg, um, and uh, we'd, we'd be happy to continue the discussion.